Hello and welcome to That Film's Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Eternals. Directed by Chloe Zhao, Eternals is the latest superhero film based on the Marvel Comics race of the same name. The movie is in cinemas now, but if you haven't seen Eternals yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our review. We will be talking spoilers. Produced by Marvel Studios, this film is the 26th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jason, you have the plot. The Eternals, a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have secretly lived on Earth for thousands of years, reunite to battle the evil deviants. So I guess that's all you probably need to know. So that's short and sweet, how we usually like it. Um, but the, there, is, there is a bit more to it. There is a lot more to it. This movie, before watching it, not doing well with the critics. And I've got to say, my interest in this movie going in, and I thought, let me put a number on it. Two out of five. This is a, okay. That was your expectation. Yes, that's not my review of this movie, but going in, (laughs) and it's got to be the lowest it's ever been for an MCU movie. And, you know, we want all these movies to be good, but there was nothing that was getting me excited for this movie, but I was willing to give it a chance. But I can't remember the last time I was walking into a film and I'm thinking, I don't know if I really want to see this. I mean, I do want to see it. And of course I was going to watch it for the review, but I just wasn't too motivated going in. What about yourself? It's a, yeah. A bit of a, an odd one, um, you know, like we've got all these, a whole new set of new characters. I mean, even from the trailers, you know, like we're getting a bit of action here and there, laser beam eyes, all the fun stuff that we, you know, we come, we've come to expect. Um, but we, we're sort of getting shown something that seemed to be something very different. Um, or at the same time, even though different, just like not anything overwhelmingly knew that I needed to sort of jump out and be like, I'm really excited for this. Blood's pumping, the reigning champion, best director, um, you know, the Academy Awards, you know, this year. I think my expectations were a little bit different to you, but at the same time, very different to what I normally have going into an MCU film. I think because I was thinking we were going to get something I guess, quite different, almost like, oh, wow, this could be like a very, you know, artistically creative um, sort of, you know, journey. Like the filmmaking sort of skill must be like right up there for this one. This is going to be kind of strange. And that's why I was thinking, you know, as these like reviews were sort of coming in and I think currently the the critic rating is like 48% on Rotten Tomatoes you know, like it hasn't hit the mark with all of the critics or the majority of the critics, I should say. Um, but I was still thinking before I went into this that like, okay, it must be so different. And I reckon it'll be something that will appeal to me. I reckon I'm going to watch it and be like, wow, no, no, no. Like this is actually such a good film. This is amazing. And I might be showing my hands a little bit here, but um, that's what I was hoping for anyway, that it was going to be something very special but I guess we'll get into it and we will. I'll start sharing how, how you know, 
how I walked out and how I felt at that point. <laughs> but what, and that's why I thought it important. Like, I mean, we never know what each other is going to think about the movies we're reviewing. We don't find out until the end or during for the most part, I should say. And then sometimes just, I'm just like, look, I have to tell you. <laughs> I have to tell you right now. <laughs> but I was just curious because I had such a, a diff, you know, a feeling going into it. I wondered if you shared something similar. And what you said there, like what we're getting with this movie, it's like the 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 merging of two worlds. You've got like like indie sensibilities with this Academy Award winning director and the MCU formula. So it's gonna be a case of like how well are those things going to go together i've got to be honest a lot of the tv spots and they were i mean they're really pushing the marketing on this film pretty much most of the tv spots i'd seen it's the opening of the movie and i was starting to think that's the movie that's when the movie takes place (laughs) so very early on like we get that big introduction they all stand up in a line on the beach superhero poses and then we're in camden we're in London, present day. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, okay. Maybe I can. Maybe there's something to get into here. And we start getting introduced to one by one, the Eternals. I think, oh, okay. So it's. I mean, I guess if I'd have gone back and watched those trailers, I'd have seen that there is a lot of present day stuff in there. But again, a lot of the TV spots was focusing on the opening parts. I'm glad that that was a nice surprise for me, going in. But I mean, story structure-wise, like, you know, I already spoke about how this movie is. It is very different to what we normally get in a Marvel film. Like, we're following two timelines, essentially. It is all still very linear, obviously, across the two timelines. But we are working in the past, and then we're jumping a few, uh, what is it, decades, hundreds yeah. of years, um, eventually, you know, a thousand-odd years. Um and then we're also following sort of, you know, the more modern uh, sort of the current story, something that's happening. Pretty, so it is frequently. It is really, so it does jump back and forth. It does, but it's easy to follow. Hmm. So I, I think so. What it's doing is with the flashbacks, it's always moving forward in time, as you say. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, not, like that's linear. That's yes. linear. So you're not time jumping all over the place. But I just felt like maybe they didn't need to say as often as they did or have the text to say present day when it was showing a flashback <laughs> sequence and then it cuts two characters in a car and then it says present day. I didn't need that. Yeah. Like, like it's a given. It's a given. So, and, Speaking and of things that you probably did For me though, I just want to say yeah. that's an example of, I think that's the MCU putting that present day there. Whereas the director maybe wouldn't necessarily want that there. So it's again, it's those two worlds coming together. Uh, yeah true true but thinking of things that like um yeah you know this movie probably didn't need i think a lot of those flashbacks i felt a lot of the information that we were getting from them was kind of unnecessary like there was a few things that happened and it was like okay that could have been you know implied through conversation or something it's like yeah it isn't really there wasn't really anything interesting in them where i was like well i'm glad we really saw that like in a flashback i don't know maybe you had a different feeling i just felt like as much as i enjoyed some of the flashbacks and i just thought they maybe could have done something a little bit more better with them or focused on different or specific aspects of characters in a certain time you know especially the way they look the way they speak i wanted to know okay how does this and this is me being 
you know, kind of picky at, at certain things, but it's like, okay, how does this, this being that looks, you know, looks like a, a black human being, you know, how does he function in this, in this time period? Or, you know, when we get later on into like, you know, when other things are going on politically, social, like socially and stuff like that, how does this woman who looks like an Asian human being, you know, function in a, in this Western society or this European part of the world where they've never seen a human being like that before? Like what's going on there? I feel like there was just so much more interesting stuff okay. we could see, but instead this, we just got them. This movie, this movie doesn't have time to tell that story. Imagine. It does have a long time. It, it does have a lot of time, actually, to tell the story it did tell. Well, it's a two and a half hour movie, right? Maybe just a little it's bit Decent over. time. Decent time, yeah. But imagine there's 10 Eternals, a 10-part Disney Plus TV series where each episode focuses on a member of the Eternals and you get what you asked for. Yeah. Maybe that would have worked better, but I mean, going into this, I was just hoping it wasn't going to be like Inhumans. And no, that was a TV show, but I did watch the extended pilot out the cinema. And I think if that. I was going to compare you it to, to anything, I did. Me and a couple of others, I think. <laughs> but if you're going to compare something like Eternals to what the MCU has put out previously, that would be your go-to, Inhumans. Maybe that's, maybe that's why you did have sort of hesitation going into this one. Maybe. maybe there was just something in your head being like, remember, remember them? Like, <laughs> remember remember the Inhumans? Okay. Remember the Inhumans? Yeah. Before yeah. we get into <laughs> the Eternals, and we will, we'll get into them one by one. Before we do that, let's just take a moment to talk about the DC Universe. I was so surprised watching this movie, we get a reference to Alfred Pennyworth, Batman's <laughs> butler. Yeah. Yep. Not only do we get a reference to Superman, we get a reference to Clark Kent. So what do we say? 26 movies into the MCU, however many TV series, and it's now been established that I'm assuming the same way we have the DC Universe, it exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's, Did not see that coming. It was a weird thing because I was, you know... A sp- I was, it was weird because I was kind of okay when it, it was like the Batman reference, but then when it was a direct like Superman reference, I, then I, it just clicked in my head. And I was like, nope, I don't like this. Now, I know in other Marvel films like previously, you know, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, they, they would refer to Superman. There's an existence of comic books, all that kind of stuff. Like Spider-Man was a superhero in that world in a world that knew of superheroes on the page in comics, they knew of the idea of superheroes in this Marvel cinematic universe. I've never had the ink. Like I've never had like the impression that superheroes existed in comic book form or in literature. Like, and maybe I'm wrong in thinking that, but I think just because they've never referred to comic books and superheroes on the page, and you know, they've never referred to the DC world, Superman, Batman, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have this one character that, you know, pretty much is a Superman type. You know, he flies, he has laser beam eyes. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's fairly strong. He's not the strong one, but he's fairly strong. It's, you know, like, of course there are those comparisons. And then to have a direct 
um, sort of highlight of yeah, you are pretty much like, like uh, Superman. You look like Superman. You have powers of Superman. It's yeah, it absolutely. And it, I don't know. I feel like that's. I feel like that's a bit of a game changer. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is <laughs> definitely one hundred percent a game changer yeah. in terms there's, of there's the universe, the creation <laughs> of it, essentially oh, the I, whole I the meaning know. of life. I suppose. Oh wow, but, um, it's a big movie. But the references <laughs> to the DC universe, game changer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it really like it's not. It it's really not overly out. important. But it oh, no. did. It's it's not massively important. But it's it's enough that as you're watching the movie, you're like, hang on a minute, I'm thinking about that now. I'm out of the mm. movie for a moment. Yeah, it's. I just I just feel like they just shouldn't. They hadn't done it yet. I just feel like they. They shouldn't. Well, I don't know. I feel like when it's a it's a weird move, but like you say, they've done it before. But Marvel have never been as successful as they are now. Before in we were talking movie, about the Sam Raimi movies, yeah. that was a different time. Exactly. Yeah. In this universe, it was like there were Captain America comics because he was lot sort of like a a figure that they put on the page. You know, like those wartime superhero comics. They adapted that, and I feel like that's what probably led to other superheroes potentially on the on the page if that had happened you know captain america training cards spider-man homecoming the bank robbers the wearing avengers party masks the the pilot for agents of shield you saw lots of avengers toys and Mm. collectibles anyway like i feel like they're it doesn't matter maybe we're getting yeah yeah we're focusing too much on that, but it's weird (laughs) it's worth talking about but now it's a thing but now it's a thing it does change Things going forward, it changes an aspect of the MCU. Well, let's talk <laughs> about the Eternals, and we'll start with Cersei, played by Gemma Chan, because she essentially, she's. This is, of course, an ensemble, but it was Kevin Feige himself who referred to her character as the main character, and she does end up leading the Eternals. And Gemma Chan, not a stranger to the MCU. Yeah, didn't she play? She played like an alien or something in Guardians. No, in one. Captain Marvel. No. Captain Marvel. She was she in was Captain Marvel. She was blue. She was... Yep. Cool. That she was in that, and now she's here playing a different character. She's not blue, so it's okay. But she's back. <laughs> in the no, they can get away with it. They can get away with it that way. Um, I I agree. Like, I mean, she is positioned to sort of be. You know, the main character of this ensemble. There's a lot of focus on her. Um, and we sort of see things through her sort of point of view in terms of navigating, you know, all the unfolding plot and other character interactions and stuff like that. You know, she's the only one with sort of a love interest in the real world. Well, now we'll get to Athena and stuff. Oh, after, we, but, you know, like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll... Essentially, you know, like she does have that. <laughs> she's the one that we we really see okay, like, where is she now and how is she functioning in this in this crazy world called Earth in the modern day? Which, again, if it was a TV series, you'd get that for everyone. You actually get a bit yeah. of history. You see, you see where she's working. And we should talk, we should probably each time we talk about somebody, reference their powers, even though people listening to this hopefully have seen the movie. She's got the power to manipulate inanimate matter through physical contact, or as she puts it, she can turn rocks into water. 
she can turn rocks into and just goes on. <laughs> She's got the ability to turn rocks into things. But that that's her power. And you'll find with the Eternals, for the most part, they've all got a single power. And you mentioned Icarus already. He's got three. Strength, flight, heat vision. But most of them just do say, just have I the mean, one power. As we as we eventually find out, you know, like we find out that the Eternals were actually created. They're essentially like these synthetic sort of robotic android type beings. Like they're not, they're not human. Essentially they are to simplify it. They're robots. Why weren't they just created all with heaps of powers or all like the same powers or all the same super strong, super fast can all fly, can all manipulate like, you know, matter can, can create illusions can you know they're all really smart they can create weapons you know they they can like green lantern type you know wield swords and shit with through light i don't know what angelina jolly she can create weapons says, I'm sure. she can create <laughs> weapons what i would like say green lantern <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> what i would say so arsham the, you know, the big celestial who is behind all of this i guess he doesn't want them to be too powerful so mm. they can stay in line because we do find out there's a big lie that's been told and also yeah. for them to stay together and rely on each other. So if they don't, if, say if, they, if, they're, if the powers come together and makes them more powerful, I think that's what it's about. You know, okay, we've talked about one character, kind of. We should talk about what's really happening here because going into this film, and characters talk about it in the movie. Endgame is a thing that happened. That was a pretty big deal. And the Eternals did nothing. But then when you're told in the film that under no circumstance where they intervene to intervene with humans, unless it's anything to do with the deviants. So it's like, nah, okay, kind of. I I I I think that's a completely fair um, It kind of makes sense. Reason. Although if you're looking at the comics, Thanos kind of is a deviant or shares deviant DNA, but maybe not. Well, in that's, the film. I mean that that's the comics. So yeah, the, the the movie versions we could potentially say like not not the case. But I mean like they were there on a mission and they were pretty set on just doing what they needed to do. Obviously, we saw flashbacks of sort of that conflict both internally and externally and amongst the team of, you know, questioning that, that moral stance there and, you know, like who are the, who are these earthlings to them and all that kind of stuff, um, which is very interesting, but I completely buy it. And by the end, you know, like they weren't to intervene and I guess they, they had seen, they know of the Avengers, they know of these other heroes. And I mean, there are so many heroes on the planet now. It, it's almost ridiculous. Um, Actually, that that raises a good point. But look, I I buy I buy that reason. So I think that's I, nothing to I do. sort of worry. I do as well. But again, until watching the movie, we didn't know that that was really going on. And then the yeah. fact that there is a big reveal that they had been lied to, and then my mind went to the Matrix. Humans are used as living batteries to help birth a new <laughs> celestial. Holy Lord! Yes. So it's like right, okay, so. Yeah, anyway. So they, mm. I think they explain away enough the reason why 
they didn't intervene. But then, of course, when they find out the truth or it's Cersei, the one that's driving this, she brings them all together to take down the big celestial that's... And hence why she is... Blanking his name begins with a T. Tumate, the guy, the celestial that's in the earth. It's been there for a while, which something like that is insane. Just, I mean, we're talking game changers. So you you look back at any other MCU movie, he's been there the whole time. So whether you're watching Captain America, the first Avenger, any of the MCU movies, that celestial is in the Earth's core. Yeah, that's it's like I said, okay, such, you know, we joked about such, we joked about the game changer concept of the universe, but I mean, yeah, no, this is because this movie. I mean, from the opening, the opening uh, text, which again is a very different MCU sort of thing to do, but the opening text sort of exposition dump of sort of all this stuff that's happening, deviants, Eternals, you know. Arisham, this uh, celestials, the the earth, and then we revealed all this all this story, you know, this this whole twist, I guess. I don't know, this revelation that there is this celestial inside the planet, just like waiting to burst out. I was like, okay, that's that's pretty intense. Like that's you know, like the whole reason the planet is thriving and the Eternals' interaction with like sort of providing bits of technology to sort of sort of get us on their way the whole idea of you know like they need to wait until the population gets to a certain point I, I, that's i don't know that's pretty we go into we go into like a very new concept of what is the universe what is the mc when i say the mcu i mean like the actual this mcu universe universe like the universe because it's not just this planet. In a billion years, there'll be another planet where another celestial will be born, all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's, this is when it's huge. It's huge. Like it really we know, is we know. Big thing to be happening. Ego, ego, the living planet, probably born this way. Pretty intense. It's doing that thing, isn't it? <laughs> that Captain Marvel did. DC beat Marvel on the big screen to have a female-centered superhero. They're able to go back with Captain Marvel and place her in the 90s. There's, and then I like said, oh, well, actually, we had one around before. You just not seen it yet. <laughs> and then with yeah. this super. We already had one of those. We already had one of those. And this, you know, the conversation about representation has been one that's been had for such a long time. And with this movie, Marvel are able to say, oh, yeah, no, no, we've been doing it for a very long time. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of years we've been yeah. doing it. Our older superheroes are our most diverse. And look, I'll give this movie credit. Like, like it is diverse. Like, the, that's a good. That's a good. Oh, absolutely, um, more yeah. than any. Any one hundred percent good observation. But again, it's like, even though it's diverse and like that's fantastic. That's awesome. It's like it does create sort of, again, like sort of nitpicky problematic things within the story that it's telling like i said you know the character of cersei for the most part from what we saw in her flashbacks you know like she wasn't living in you know on the asian continent she was living in european settlements um like african type sort of nations and stuff like that you know wherever she like i think that would have 
people would have looked at her and been like, you're a bit strange looking. Yeah. Just also, naturally. It, it's... Also, that, yeah, I get, but remember, they weren't in disguise. They were openly using their powers. That's true. Which so I guess led into have... like the legend part of it. And we have other characters that eventually turn into sort of mythological beings that, you know, well, our society sort of looks at and thinks. Icarus is a good example mm. of that. Here played by Richard Madden. I know him from Bodyguard, fantastic TV series, but I think most people know him from Game of Thrones. Yeah, we have to say most people because it's not us. <laughs> Definitely not us, but most people. Him and Kit Harrington, they did that show together. I mean, I know Kit Harrington, so that's, that's all good. But we'll, we'll get to him. But it, Icarus, I mean, yeah, like, okay, he's, I guess he's positioned as like the most secondary type, um, you know, front person. But there's more to him. You know, he, again, he, he seems like the, he, the go-to, like, oh, if there was going to be a replacement leader, it should be him kind of thing. You know, a character even says that. Obviously, Cersei takes that place. But then we find out that, there's more to him. There's a bit of a, I guess, a sinister twist. Well, we. It's not even that. It's not it. that evil. It's it's. Well, he's it's he's he's got a he's got a purpose that he's going to follow, at any any cost, and he finds like out he's devoted. That, he's devoted yes. to the to the cause. He's devoted to the cause. So he finds out that Ajax, played by Salma Hayek, was going to not follow through with the mission because she'd had. Second thought, she shared what was really happening with the Eternals on Earth with him. That's why he first broke up with Cersei in the first place. But I honestly didn't see it coming that he would have killed her and then turns on the team. I didn't see that coming at all. I don't yeah, know if you I mean, did. I mean, that's, that, was, that was a genuine I, surprise. I mean, no, because, like, what in the movie was telling us that? And I'll be honest, though, in, when I, I remember that we'd seen the Deviants, you know, the big CGI monsters, and when he was when he turned, I was I realized, oh, up until that point, what I was really missing from this movie is I didn't feel like there was a real villain. Like there was a there was a threat, but I didn't feel like there was a big bad driving no, this because we had the demon yeah. at the beginning, we didn't know it had killed at the time. It had killed Ajax, taken her healing abilities, and it had started to evolve with the Eternal's powers. We didn't know that was happening. I thought that was just another deviant. And then others turned up. So it wasn't until Icarus turned that, oh, this is, this is, again, he's not necessarily a villain, but in that moment, okay, so he's a bad guy. We can get, yeah, you know, we he can is our main antagonist sort of thing. Because with the deviants, I mean, it did seem like they were building towards potentially having them or at least one of them as the, like, the big bad of, of the movie, you know, as, as we found out the thing with their powers sort of when they kill, when they kill something, they get, they sort of get stronger. And obviously when they're killing Eternals, they're sort of taking their powers and memories, all that kind of stuff. And then you get to a point where one of them actually becomes like, becomes sort of humanoid, I guess, like he speaks and all of that. And I was like, okay, we're going to get to the point where he, sort of evolves to a level where, you know, he is, like, really pissed at the Eternals for 
doing what they're doing to them, even though it's sort of like, well, yeah, but you guys are just doing that too. So it's sort of like, don't really have a leg to stand on. But anyway, that didn't go anywhere. That was, that was kind of resolved. I mean, the deviants were still present, but it was, they were the putty patrol. They were our monsters, our ghouls yes. to, to fight along the way until we got to, I guess the big, big bad is the celestial in, <laughs> in the, in the surface of the, like the core of the planet that's coming up even though we they stop him and we don't actually fight that celestial, but it is what it is. Icarus is the bad guy. Yeah, I, again, <laughs> but Silent Bofors, you're generally surprised by that because we're watching this movie as the start of a new team. They're going to be like a new thing in the MCU. We've talked about on like many podcasts how there's no Iron Man, there's no Steve Rogers. And I know we're getting Sam Wilson's cap, but it's like, okay, so all these heroes have come and gone, no more Iron Man. What's going to happen next? And then as we're watching this Eternals movie, not only are members revealed to be bad or doing bad things, there's real stakes. How often are we watching a film like this, especially a Marvel movie, where superheroes are getting killed? It yeah, that's it doesn't no, happen. No, that's that's a good point. I mean, I like I knew, you know, like the overall threat of like, oh my god, a celestial is going to be born and the world is going to like be ripped apart. I knew that wasn't going to happen because you know we know that there's you know another Marvel movie coming out in like four weeks' time. Can't wait for it, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you're this, right. Like you've got you're right. Was... Characters, characters' lives were on the line. Yeah, definitely. Like, and they were genuinely the only problem there is that look overall there are a lot of characters in this movie and uh, even even um you know cersei's character as much as she does get explored there's still if at the end of the movie you know she was killed i can't sit here and and, and tell you that i would have cared that much because with the large number of characters and i think bouncing and trying to explore all of their sort of personalities and characters who are they now who are they before you know like you've got some characters just literally they're just you know the laughs having fun some other ones dealing with some sort of thing that we never really get resolved it's just sort of we don't spend enough time with any of them to really for me anyway to actually really care when someone is killed um like there's there's two major deaths in this well, there's three. Right? If, like, well, you've got Icarus flying into the sun. You've got Ajax, who's killed yeah, by that's... Icarus. And you've got Gilgamesh, played by Don Lee. He's the character that spends a lot of time with Thena. Again, and even like with, um, with Don Lee's character, you know, like as... I probably just use his character name. Where is he? Gilgamesh, sorry. Like with Gilgamesh and Thena, you know, like, they're the ones that we've got a relationship that we're sort of exploring. They've spent the most time, I guess, together as characters on earth, sort of just writing out their lives, just waiting for, you know, the next, what to do next sort of thing. There's a thing with Thena and Angelina Jolie sort of thing. Um, Thena dealing with like, she'll have like rage moments where like she'll just turn on the team, but then there's nothing really answered to why that's actually happening or how they, I mean, 
Gilgamesh kind of did like the Black Widow Hulk thing where it was sort of like the sun setting, you know, like selling her down. But besides that, there was never sort of like, oh, okay, how did we find out that there was a resolution today? It was just very, yeah. there was a conflict there, but it was very quick. And then suddenly it's like, okay, well, he's dead. And that plays right. a big part. Like it comes and goes. Like they call it the, the madness mm. or it's something like that. And yeah, and, and it's past memories. But it was kind of like, I think, yeah, yeah, it was, I think it was, that was just used as a tool for them to have a conversation about the fact that their minds can be wiped. And it was like, oh, okay, their minds can just be wiped. And then it led into the, you know, with with the big reveal of like, oh, our minds have actually been wiped multiple times. Yeah. And something went wrong with hers and that's what's causing her to have these violent tendencies but i did like their relationship i mean of all places they're living in australia in the present day that was interesting but of course they portray it as like they're living in like the outback for anyone across the planet who's watching this movie is like oh yeah that's australia they just have dirt (laughs) i mean at least at least it didn't have the hat with the corkscrews i mean it's been a while since we've seen that on tv i think yeah that's right and they didn't have that yeah that wasn't like kangaroos and stuff bouncing around just for just for good measure, but um, <laughs> but I don't know. They could have been living. They could have just had them in like a small little like suburb. town somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just in a suburb, in a house, no, just a quaint it, little it, house, drinking no, tea the, on the veranda. The point <laughs> is that they were away from civilization. They were isolated. That was, I get that was it, the get point it, it. because mm. Nina is a risk. And can I just say how much fun I enjoyed watching Angelina Jolie back on the big screen kicking ass. Yeah. Now she she had some cool she had some cool like action action scenes, especially near the start. But then it was like they had to kind of like bench her a bit because of her her issue, like the character's issue with like her. I'll just call it her rage. <laughs> like she went she went sort of dark on him, and that sort of like sidelined her for a lot of the action. I was like, no, nah, she's got light swords. <laughs> Let her kick know. some ass and cut some deviants in half. And it was like, oh, no, she's hiding I mean, she that does. tree. Like, she, she does, but it does. you had to wait for it. And you, you had yeah. to know that was going to happen. She was going to be the of one course. to take down the big bad. And it was a great scene. Like, she did it well. But, you know, like, you know, I mentioned, like, obviously, like, there is a lot of, there is a lot of these characters. And then it was just a natural thing to happen that, okay, yeah, we, we do have to sort of cull a couple of them. And then at the end of the movie, it was like, okay, well, let's divide a little bit. Let's have some characters go here. And so what we're left with as a group is already smaller. So a little bit more intimate. And then it was like, okay, cool. Now we've got to, essentially they they do make a decision to bench some characters for, I guess, whatever movie they should pop up in next. It'll only be a handful of these eternal characters doing their thing. And it makes sense because I got to admit, there are a lot of characters and I think that is, it's not always a downside, but in this case, I think it created a, the biggest weakness for yeah, this movie. Well, when it's new characters, definitely. It's it, hard, isn't it's, it? It's hard. It's, it's a lot. It's not like going into an X-Men movie where there's so many established characters. But even like, you know, when we watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, we're, we're only dealing with essentially like four characters and one of them was a tree that, you know, just said the same thing over and over again. Still quite a lot of character to them, but you know what I mean? Like we're, we're talking a new group of people, but still very small, intimate. We can, we can work with that. Here we're what, like 10? <laughs> it and is then, 10. And then 
throw in throw in a boyfriend throw in a, a you know uh the the the, the driving guy <laughs> listen oh. we will get to him in due time we will we will do justice to that guy we'll get to him <laughs> we will <laughs> but the, i mean this script started with 12 eternals we ended up with 10 and then of course yeah the movie ended up with less but before this movie came out comparisons were made with guardians of the galaxy uh, that was not an a-list property for marvel and the movie was a huge success this is not that but i guess they were kind of hoping they were going to have some of the same magic with this film but as you say there's so many so many characters we've talked about ajak already played by salma hayek in the comics it's a male character the change they made there just like with sprite they changed the gender for that character also to be like I'm, I'm trying not to be an asshole here but obviously i tried to stay away from a lot of like i didn't focus too much in on the trailer i remember watching it and then you know i'd seen character screenshots and then just like the movie started introduced this sprite character and i dead set thought it was a boy uh, like i thought she was a boy like just a just a boy character um you know there's a scene in the bar where it's like you know she's creating a you know like an like an older female version like, i can't say female but in my mind i was like oh she's creating a, a female version of herself like, oh, that's very strange and i was like okay is this a also a gay boy character and i was obviously a fan i was a girl and then she she obviously does sound and act like a girl and eventually i was like okay no she does look like a girl but for a good up until it was like even like you know like the you know when icarus shows up you know like the whole thing with the boyfriend that you know kit harrington finding out oh you're a wizard all that kind of stuff for that whole time i was like no no sprite's a boy, <laughs> sprite's a boy. <laughs> I don't know. okay so you spent silly me you spent such me. a long time watching this movie thinking it's comic accurate <laughs> But that's the thing. I didn't even know. I don't know these characters, and that's probably it's probably something I should have said at the beginning. Like, this is all brand new to me. I do not know these characters at all. Like, I've no. I was learning their names as we were going. It was fantastic. Yeah, with <laughs> good fun. with Eternals, I'd heard of Icarus, but the other characters I'd not actually heard of. But there is a character that I had heard of. And for the boast of this movie, it annoyed the shit out of me. And I'm talking about Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman. Because as soon as he's on screen, I'm like, oh, it's Black Knight. He's an Avenger. Did they and say his name? Like, I know, yeah, the post credit yeah. aside, but during the, the actual movie, yeah, they say proper, his name. Like, yeah. Did they? They might not say Dane Whitman together, but this is Dane. You know, they, they said his name because he was being... Oh, they said Dane. They said, okay. Well, I'm watching it and it's like, that's Black Knight. And then she gives him the ring. And it's like, oh, this belongs to your ancestors. You really should reconnect with your uncle. And it's got the Black Knight crest or logo on the ring. And then he's trying to say to her like hey i know you've got your thing going on but i've discovered something and can i just tell you and then this big threat's happening and i'm like oh you are kidding me we will save it until the end when we get the mid-credit scene post-credit scene no we'll do, let's no let's let's do it now because okay, I feel that's the only way i can truly share my thought okay so i think 
I guess my experience with this, obviously I like, I recall all those moments where I was like, yeah, reconnect with the uncle and okay, he has this cool ring and stuff. But to me, like, again, I don't know this, I don't know this, what is it, Black Knight? Black Knight. Honestly, right. if they didn't feature another scene with him and they ended the movie where it ended, I'd have been so annoyed because that would have been ridiculous. <laughs> Look, I didn't, like, I don't know that character. So then, you know, when they're saying Dane or if they did say Whitman or whatever throughout the movie, which I still don't, rec- I still don't reckon they did, but um, obviously you were, you identified. I, mean, like I knew who the character I knew who the character was. I can't say specifically that they used Dane Whitman together, but his name was Dane. They were referring to There was Dane. enough clues that you knew. So for me, I was like, there was nothing. There was literally okay. nothing in this that was telling me. And then at the end of it, when he was like, oh, like, um, you know, I found out since my family, I was like, what the hell is this? Okay, well, let's, let's do it. Okay, who is he going to... So in a post-credit scene, Dane Whitman opens an old chest inherited from his ancestors that contains the legendary ebony blade while an off-screen voice questions him if he's ready for it and that was it that was the tease so so this is me sitting in the cinema right and you know that's where there's the name drop where it says i think it actually says, says like mr whitman or something and then i'm like okay who is whitman like the Whitman family, who who were the Whitman? And I had to Google it because I was like, no, nah, I got no right. idea. Like this is not Nick Fury showing up at the end of a thing. That, and I'm like, oh my god, like this is, or you know, like some other character. It's, I was like, nope, okay, we're getting into some some Marvel stuff that I've got zero idea about. So for me, I feel like, I feel like the the movie must have been positioning it to be like, you would only know who he is once you get that name drop. So I feel like they wouldn't have said Whitman throughout the movie, but I, you know, I, I could be wrong. But obviously, you identified the ring as a symbol and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So. Well, again, the whole time I, I knew who Kit Harrington was playing. To be fair, like, I knew that he was playing Dane Whitman. Like, oh, right. Okay. That's like not a secret. It's all over IMDb. It's in the articles. Like, that's the character that he's playing, and I know that character is Black Knight. Or in the comics, he's the third character to bear that name. But, okay. Here's my other. Here's my other sort of concern with, <laughs> with how I guess this played out. Okay, but it also ties into other moments in the movie. Okay, every time that and this is this might be a larger problem with the MCU sort of going forward in general, but anytime one of the characters is revealed to having powers or something to like a person, just a civilian in the public, they're all like, you know, like, oh wow. But also, it's not a big deal. Like, nobody cares. I get it. Half the planet was snapped away and they all came back and, you know, they, they see superheroes in every bloody street corner. It's, it's, it's superhero havoc out there. It does take a little bit of the magic away when nobody gives a shit anymore. It is less like, impressive. I, I, get, I didn't see it that it just way. Takes, but, it just yeah, takes the right. magic away. And I feel like, I don't know, that was, that was disheartening for me a bit where I was just like, it used to be you'd see, you know, Iron Man flying through the sky or Spider-Man swing through something and it would be like, whoa, or like, you know. And now it was like, an oh, impressive thing, whereas now one it's of, like... You're one of them. Okay. <laughs> like, like, oh, cool. you're a wizard. Can you turn me into a giraffe? That was his go-to. <laughs> mm. But then it's even, it makes it even, it makes the world even smaller when it's like, Oh, my girlfriend is ends up being this like. I mean, he doesn't know the details as such, but it's like, oh, my girlfriend is this like, 
you know, thousand, thousands of years old sort of being that has these powers. Whoa, but, oh, I'm also connected to some sort of, you know, powered ancestry sort of thing. It's like, wow, small world, cool. It's like, are they on an app, like a Tinder for superheroes where it's like, <laughs> okay. hey, are you um, related to some magical, powerful, superpowered family? You can we go back to, to the date. voice though? We've not really, <laughs> we've not really talked about the voice who is sharing concern for right. Mr. Whitman. The fact you've not said, do you know who that voice is? Nope. Well, do you want me to Am I supposed it? to? Um, I mean, Wikipedia well, said something. I just thought it was a lie. Well, the director, <laughs> like the director has revealed Michelle Ali's Vampire Hunter Blade is now officially part of the MCU. That's who you heard at the end of the movie. He was Blade. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay, so that Wikipedia confirmed. line, which I read and was like, that's... A blatant, the incorrect piece of information. Thank you, Wikipedia. You know, but, but okay, that's that's real from the director. Why? Okay, what purpose is that character speaking to? Is well, Blade is... trapped in a blade? Is that is that? Well, no, thing? like he's in the room with him. But this is the thing, and obviously, Blade. Oh. However many years, yeah, yeah. No, the, the sword was. I thought it speaking. was just like some spiritual echo. No, like I thought it was. No, Blade is in the room with him. Right. You're just hearing him off camera. Obviously, Blade, supernatural vampires, and there is a supernatural element to Black Knight's powers. It goes back to medieval times, Merlin, all of that. So it's like, oh, okay, so, but that doesn't seem... I mean, on one hand, I was just going to say it doesn't really seem to gel with Eternals, which is more you know, sci-fi, but I guess they've been on Earth and they've lived through those times. So it kind of goes together. But it's like, even though it's just a voice... If you would have asked me, where do you think Blade will first turn up in the MCU? Never in a million years would I have said Eternals. But that's yeah. what's happened. It also seems, I mean, I, I get it. He's, he's, yeah, he's also lived probably quite an extensive life so far, enough to have, I guess, connections maybe to some ancestry of, of like some Whitman ancestry. But it, it, it seems like a weird match like you'd think he would pop up in something else more <laughs> supernatural more yeah i agree it's i think it's an an odd place you know going into this movie again i had heard uh, i can't remember exactly who was saying this but somebody at marvel was basically saying that this movie doesn't need to be anything more than this and it could just be a one and done i read that somewhere and it's going, oh, okay, that's um, that's interesting. And then you get to the end of the movie, Eternals will return. Oh, okay. So they are returning, not yeah. all of them. But it, it's, it's, I mean, it's almost like they were saying it as in, like, you're going to get out and enjoy it because this it's going to be this one thing. Almost like a threat. Like a threat. No, it's... it's the, the MCU... I mean, Marvel Studios has had a very, very happy, lucrative... Um, track record of you know every movie they pretty much make warrants uh, a follow-up a sequel you know franchises within a giant franchise both financially and you know critically like they've all done pretty well even ones that you know me or you might not like as much as the general audience but they've all done really well even the worst marvel movies are still pretty damn good fun i i mean (laughs) The critic rating on this as, you know, it, it's it's their worth so far, but 
it's still not the worst rated movie ever. Like it's it's not that bad. It's still a pretty good score. Well, that's it. Yeah, kind of. A like, bad, a bad rated Marvel movie is still, is not necessarily a bad I mean, movie. I, I could see them maybe looking at it, and being like, "Ah, oh, look, it, even though it's still pretty good, it didn't really get the response." And I mean, depending on how the audience really reacts to it, but like, they could turn around and say, "Look, we didn't really get the response we were really wanting. We've got some characters set up to do things. We're going to follow through that, but we're probably not going to do like a, a core a, Eternals film." follow up like it might be like okay look we're gonna we're gonna catch up with Cersei we're gonna catch up with obviously Whitman and all these and Eternal but you know we're gonna catch up with those who you know legged it on the on their little spaceship and it's, stuff like um, we're gonna yeah we're gonna see them again but we might not get Eternals too it's 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 a weird choice isn't it so you've got like a, a team of 10 I mean we've not even <laughs> talked about all the Eternals yet <laughs> we've still got to get to a couple of them oh, I'm exhausted team, talking about them <laughs> a team of 10 and then they're adding like an origin or a lead to Black Knight and then a cameo from Blade it's a packed movie there's, there's a lot going on but we need to let's get through the rest of the Eternals we're, we're only a third <laughs> of the way through it let's... <laughs> Kamal Nanjiani as Kingo I like him I've been a fan of his comedy for so many years and enjoyed him in movies. The Big Sick, uh, comedies or blockbusters like Men in Black International. And here he is making his MCU debut. A, bit, a pretty, yeah, you know, like this is, a, this is our fun character that we're enjoying. You know, we get to have some laughs along the way. Um, Good, yeah, no, like pretty good. I mean, I like the gag. You know, he's a movie star, and it's sort of like he's he's been a movie star for for decades. Um, and it's like it's his father and his grandfather. Well, that's it. It's a showbiz showbiz dynasty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, and it's pretty cool. And you know, like again, we talk diversity. Like, here we got a Marvel, you know, MCU movie where it's like, hey, we got a Bollywood sequence <laughs> for for a good few minutes. <laughs> Oh, good fun why not yeah. yeah and he he was so good in it like he was doing the comedy like i was re- i was reading that his inspiration was um or one of the inspirations was john mcclane diehard that's the kind of thing that he was going to <laughs> for with his character and he definitely achieved that and he got in great shape for the movie but again still having the the comedic chops but they did make a change with his character you mentioned Bollywood. So in this movie is an Indian movie star. In the comics, he's a East Asian national and is a martial arts star. So that's another change Ooh. they've made. I suppose I suppose I probably didn't want to um have that sort of on the tail of Shang Chi. That's a good point. They're like that yeah, because yeah, it would have been oh look another martial artist. Getting it done. What was his power set though in this movie? Little fireballs. <laughs> it was oh, firing. Yeah, fireballs. Right, yeah, he was. And he had that, was like, he had that big <sighs> fireball moment. Mm. Yeah, he like charges it up in his hands and blasts it. Yeah, very cosmic energy cool. projectiles. That sounds more impressive. Right. That's not fire then at all. But yes, <laughs> it looks yeah. like fireballs. <laughs> that's so. That's his his power. Great balls you of fire. <laughs> In fact, we we will get back to his assistant or his 
whatever that job title is. Yeah, you don't do it now. I mean, directly linked to oh, him. Honestly, I'm really trying to just get through all these Eternals. <laughs> There's just so many. We sidelined before. So Let's just sideline again. Let's get him out of the oh, way. Okay, of course. It's natural, naturally fitting. Let's talk about Karun, played by Harish Patel, Kingo's manager. So there we go. That's his job title. <laughs> and he is so good in this. And, he, and being attached to Kamal as well, like he's bringing a lot of the humor as well. But then he's also bringing like a lot of the heart and showing genuine respect and awe. So he's somebody that looks at superheroes like you're talking about how a lot of people don't. Like he's like, wow, I'm amazed to be in your presence. Thank you for what you're doing for saving the world. Which he's is, brilliant. Which is, he's he is so good. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, like I said, like he's uh, they're almost like a package there because of just how he's introduced and why he's there for the for the being. And there's lots of you know there's lots of little fun moments where you know the eternal character eternals characters are looking at him just like who's this guy? You know, it's obviously like okay, look, the teams. Uh, something's going on because you know the team's rocking up we're getting back together something's happening who the hell's this guy? <laughs> who's this, who's this guy and it is it's kind of it's good to have i guess just a human earth character as as sort of cartoony and a little bit out there that this guy is sort of just there sitting at the table with these with these eternals they're talking about potentially the end of the world what do we do you know should we do something stop you know this the earth's population you know pretty much demising and then you've got this you know this citizen of earth this <laughs> human character sitting there being like please <laughs> you know yeah i if can i vote you know like i would like you know to be <laughs> to survive please help us he's he's excellent and he has so many cameras oh the, yeah oh, the gag with the cameras <laughs> And they all get smaller. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It was a, it's all... it was a good gag, but I did recognise you from somewhere. And I had to look it up. David Williams, English comedian, actor, presenter, all of that. He also writes children's books. And on the BBC, they make these made-for-TV movies, and they all feature new characters. But there's one constant, and it's and it's this guy. He plays a shopkeeper named Raj. And he's in every single one of the TV movies. That's where I knew him from. But yeah, he was great seeing him in this. And he brought a lot of entertainment and heart. For me, he's one of the best things about the movie. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. But I'm going to continue with the Eternals, because again, there's many. We've already talked about Sprite, played by Leah McHugh. She has the appearance of a 12-year-old child. She can project images yeah illusions I mean, is probably a better word to use there's a few things going on with this character i mean one she's i mean like their secret identity i guess if you want to call it that is like you know she's like the daughter of cersei in a way or at least she's in the care of cersei i guess from outside viewers um she has to deal with the whole fact that you know she is stuck in this like childlike body that she can't experience the human world like everyone else is, you know, like as an adult doing things, hence that scene at the bar earlier. Um, and then there's the the reveal that, you know, like she is in love with Icarus as well. And, uh, you know, she she's led to make that decision towards the end of the movie where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going with him. And purely based on the fact that it's like, 
she's in love with him, which seems like a very, I guess, juvenile, immature decision yeah, to make. Also, which is like say. makes me think, okay, she's in the body of like a child, but it's like then it's like she also is has, I guess, like the mindset. Of, I mean, not yeah, to say an adult or, wouldn't make that decision, no, or someone, especially who's thousands of years old. But it, it, it's like she's still okay. in love, though. Like Icarus, love is like an love adult. is what it is. And he then turns and flies into the sun and stops fighting the rest of the team. <laughs> That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. But it, I think it would have been. I mean, pretty. It would have been ballsy, and it would have been probably against you know old old Disney's way of uh, doing things. I think it would have been interesting to see maybe if later on, even if to manipulate her in a way, if, you know, Icarus had, whether they'd kissed or something, I'm not saying I would have been like wanting that, but I'm like, okay, that would have been in terms of like the drama and like the conflict and the just showing who, who Icarus was as a character could have been a very interesting sort of dynamic there. And I guess, Kind of something questionable, and but not because they are thousands of years old, so it doesn't really matter. Or more, yeah, but, but billions I think of years old, however old they are. It plays into the fact that he just he didn't know, like he only saw Cersei. Yeah. That's all he. That's all he saw. She's all he all he thought about. And there were and there were some moments where he was very much thinking. I mean, it, it went back into sort of like a flashback thing where he was thinking about their time together. Like he, even though he was set on the mission, he was very much like, I do care for Cersei. Like, you know, we well, had the only, we have our... yeah, the only reason why they split is because he found out the truth and he mm. couldn't be around her enough to lie to her. That's the only reason why they split. And for like however long, she never knew the reason why he just left one day and she never heard from him again. But I guess it was good to have another character in Sprite to sort of for them to sort of be up against. Otherwise, it would have just been the Deviants and Icarus. So, yeah, not we've got more of Eternals. <laughs> we've got Brian Tyra Henry as Fastos, an Eternal and an intelligent weapons and technology inventor. And I guess bigger than that, he is the first superhero to be depicted as gay in an MCU film. Like we did get that one gay character in Endgame, and I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of the directors. One of the, <laughs> it was one of the Russos. One of the Russos. Yeah. One of. But this is an actual thing, and it's a really sweet moment. And we're we're seeing a family, two dads and a son, and that kid got lots of good gags. And he, in fact, that's where the Superman reference came from. And he yeah. said, you know, in his head, I don't even have a cape. But that was a moment that I think worked in this movie. It didn't feel like it was a token thing that was happening. It just happened to be a same-sex relationship. It was kind of thing that happened in the movie. We didn't dwell on it and carried on. I mean, as wonderful as it is, I mean, not to put a negative on it, but I mean, at the end of the day, he has a robot type thing or whatever you want to class him as. So, I mean, technically, still not really gay, but, you know, like it is. Oh, yeah, it is. He's, he's, he's living. I don't want to take anything away he's from it, but I'm like... living. And he, di- he didn't know. That was new information to him and the rest of the Eternals. Mm. And, you know, we, we accept Vision and Scarlet Witch. But come on. You can be a robot and be in love. But do we? <laughs> love <laughs> is love, even between robots and or eternally living synthetic um, organisms. But again, this is, um, we've you know, like in the husband character there, he's a character who, who finds out 
you know, that his life partner, the love of his life, the, the, the other father to his son, the, you know, his husband, his best friend, all of that has been keeping this huge secret from him. It's cool. You should go. You should go and, you know, save the world. It's great. I mean, it's all, of course, he was going to come to that conclusion decision, but it was like, it was, no, it was not a big deal. So, like, not that we saw anyway. Again, and I, I again, just feel like no... another thing that they're just glazing over. There's no time. That's a whole episode. That's a whole <laughs> exactly. 60 minute thing yeah, where we needed to explore that of course. Where is and it would have been great because it would have been like, we would have had a story within the Marvel Cinematic Universe where it would have been like, okay, this family is now shook to the core because there's this huge secret that's now revealed. But that secret is is part of the key to stopping the end of the world sort of thing. It's like so like there's such good story there. Even, it's like, even though of course I'm gonna let you go because you need to help save this planet, god damn it. But at the same time, it's like we have been living somewhat of a lie, which of course he's gonna come to peace with, but there's still gotta be a struggle there. But it's gonna be a conversation. I don't know. Later, <laughs> we'll, talk about later. we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Not all of them. Yeah, of course. Them. The characters. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll talk about later. We'll talk about well, later. What I was going to say is, he's like, yeah, of course you should go with them. You should go and do that. But Of course. He doesn't necessarily want him to. Though. Like, he'd rather him stay there. But he's like, you know, you need to go and save the world. We're almost there. We've got two more <laughs> Eternals. We've got Lauren Ridloff as Makari. The Flash, essentially. She's an eternal who can run at the power of speed. There's more to her than that, though. I was going to say, and. This character <laughs> is the first deaf superhero in the MCU. So that's another first that this movie's got as well. So again, but they're like saying they're, they're going back retroactively. We've had the first this, the first that. We've had these characters around for. We should have got the starting year. I can't remember what it was, but you know, however far back. Well, it was this movie it was like goes. seven thousand years, wasn't it? Seven thousand years they there have been go. on Earth. So, end well, of survival okay. can say for seven thousand years, we've had a deaf superhero, we've had a gay superhero. It's like no, it wasn't until twenty twenty one that you you introduced your first like, deaf superhero. But um, look, I'm gonna do that thing again where I'm like, cool. I'm gonna give him a big tick for being like awesome, fantastic, like you know, diversity, something unique to these characters, like cool. And then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna kind of shun it a little bit. Okay, I've got a few points. Number one, uh, like these beings were created, right? They weren't just born. This went, uh, this wasn't a natural choice of God to make her. Why was she deaf? Why was she given like a lesser function, a, a, a disability, a, a in sense of when, unless it was something that had happened, I guess, in a previous. Life that they if you call it a life. I guess they had. for me, I thought maybe it could be to do with her powers, maybe running that fast. Maybe she ran really fast and it just popped her eardrums. Maybe. I mean, I right, jokingly, other... I jokingly referenced Flash earlier, but the whole thing with his character is that when he's using the speed force and he is moving at super speed, he his the speed force it projects like a protective aura around him. That's the thing that happens. So maybe she doesn't like have that. Deep magic right there. That's, that's <laughs> but she's um, really, really fast. So maybe she didn't need hearing for that power. But then again, she's a robot. So yeah. maybe she, I don't know. 
doesn't make any sense, does it? Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Okay, one other, one, one other nitpick thing with it. Okay. Um, now, whatever they call, because I know in different countries they have like their sign language thing. You know, things they call it something different. So in America, it's whatever it is. Um, I mean, is is this because this movie proposes a few things that like certain things were introduced to you know our planet because of the Eternals? Like they essentially had, uh, assisted in things happening such as like you know the hydrogen bomb and all of that like you know like they had introduced elements or like technology to humans to do certain things is this movie also saying that that this character introduced us to sign language because i mean they created new signs for like characters names and stuff because obviously there isn't like those words don't exist but the sign language that she's using is accurately the English language. And she's using yeah, it I mean, thousands, uh, 7,000 years ago. I'm just saying, I'm no maybe. historian, but I'm that tracks really sure well, it did not find, exist. We do find out that they were, <laughs> they were responsible for a lot of myths. A lot of things they did, stories were told of, and maybe they did start... I don't know. I don't think that's what Marvel's trying to do, but maybe. It's the only thing that covers that plot hole because it doesn't make a lick of sense. I'm just saying. It was things like this that kind of irked me. I mean, I will let you get back to, like, talk of the characters. Good, because we've got one more. It's just things like this. When, when you go back 7,000 years and you're exploring these characters and you're, you're having moments with them and they're talking and you have a line of dialogue from a character and it's, bear in mind, it's like 3,000 years in the past. And this character says something in this very heavy American, um, you know, accent. And then he says something, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And it's like, where is he getting this language from? And it's like, it's, I know this is nitpicky, but it's like things like that where I'm like, okay, no one actually tried to make this any sort of like grounded. And I know we're talking about a movie universe where there's talking raccoons and trees and, you know, like, shape-shifting universe jumping characters and stuff but it's like when it comes to things that you can make grounded make them grounded like don't have a character end a sentence with okay when it's <laughs> three thousand years ago it's like piss off like, i really got annoyed with a few things like that and i've I, noticed i've noticed it's yeah. a hard juggling act because there's tens of heroes do it just write a like write your Freaking screenplay better. <laughs> like, I think this shit. movie. Had, I think when you think this movie had about five writers as well, <laughs> was a writing team. They probably had like two characters each, and they just went with it. And it was like, okay, here's the core story. Make it all happen. <laughs> Let's just talk about the last Eternal. Who is it? Oh my god, who have we forgot? Barry Keegan is Druig. Oh yeah, an aloof Eternal who can manipulate the minds of others. And I thought if any Eternal was going to turn, this was him. And I guess he kind of does in the movie where he's got the village. There's not a lot of free will going on. But in the end, he comes good. And he's obviously got a strong relationship with Makari. Well, the thing is, he's like, he is positioned and we're, we're seeing him as like, oh, you know, he's, he's pushing back against the team. He's, you know, oh, you know, he's got a bit of an attitude on him. But like, the reason he has that is because he is fighting against, you know, like essentially their boss. It was like, you know, we're, we're taking orders from this 
this leader, this being is, uh, and then he starts questioning, are these the right things that we should be doing? And it's like, we're letting these humans, these people die and we're not doing anything to stop it when we can. So it's, it's that conflict that he's having that is causing him to lash out. So when the rest of the team are eventually moving towards, hey, we should try and stop this, you know, this apocalypse type thing on the human race. It makes sense that he's like, um, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> like, I'm on board. Like, well, not it's straight not, away. It's not like, not it's not like his motives changed. <laughs> no, yeah. no that, they, had to, they had to convince him. And... Well, I think, but that pushback was because he didn't trust them because he was like, that, like for the longest time, I think he had distanced himself from them and was just like, no, you guys are, you guys are dicks. I'm doing my own thing. But then eventually, you know, they explained to him exactly what's going on. He's like, well, you know, yeah, like, let's do it. But it, it, it is, I mean, there's questionable things. He's got this village kind of thing and they're under his control or at least at certain times or whatever. Does I don't that, know if it was constantly. Well, bit, not constantly, but at times. And when the village is under attack and the deviants are there and then he's, he's essentially using the, the, the villagers as cannon fodder and they're picking up weapons and firing and getting taken down. And then it's another member of the Eternals that says, stop, release them. Because they were just getting killed, hurt. They weren't doing too well out of it. And he eventually let them go. The special effects, it looks like a Marvel movie for the most part. You know, we get some great effects. But we've talked about the Eternal in the center of the earth already. Like watching that, that was the moment in this film when you're like, wow, this is something that I've never seen in an MCU film before. And then when they defeat him, the head's poking out. There's the hand. Crazy stuff. And we've said before, oh, yeah. when you're watching another Marvel film, like surely this other character would appear if this was happening. This was a big event that nobody else turned up for. But I get it. It's their movie. They're going to be the ones to stop it. It just seemed well, like it. it's way bigger than the most things that we've seen I mean, in other movies. In Endgame, right, we saw that, you know, like the Avengers were monitoring, like, you know, anything that was sort of going on to the point where it was like an earthquake somewhere. They were like, oh, look, let's look into that. Let's see what's going on there. Here it's like, okay, the entire planet is pretty much like rumbling. Like you'd think they'd be like, oh, my God, what's going on? Let's, let's you know, jump into some Stark satellites and all that and just see, oh, holy shit, there's a giant head popping up in the middle of the Indian Ocean or wherever. I think it was the Indian Ocean. You know know what's happened, don't you? In Endgame, Natasha was the one that was watching the monitors. Oh, right. And they never replaced her. Damn. Damn. Big mistake. Oh, that new Captain America ain't doing doing much leading that team. (laughs) Who is going to lead them? Who knows? Um, look, with the special effects, like, yeah, like you said, look, it's pretty much what you come to expect. There were some shots, though, where I was like, oh, man, like, looks pretty average. There's, like, one flashback where there's sort of, it's during, like, the, you know, where Cersei's finding out the truth about everything, and there's sort of, like, a shot with, like, some dinosaurs and stuff. I mean, they look pretty, they look pretty hard. Um and then I don't know if you want to jump to it yet. I'll try to avoid it. But when we get to the post credit, the other post credit scene, there's this CGI character. I mean, he looks pretty rubbish as well. So. Well, we'll we'll save that because I, f- I feel like I feel like we're close. Mm. And 
And for the most part, with like in terms of like the action and a lot of the CGI that's going on, and it might have just been my cinema. I don't know. A lot of like, except for like the final, you know, final act and stuff. The movie was quite dark, and I don't mean in terms of like tonally, just like literally dark. There was a lot of nighttime stuff, a lot of like you know, like, oh, there's just no light in this scene. There's lots of just lots of very dark things, and so when a lot of action is going on, I was like, I, I don't even know if this is bad CGI because I can't really see it. It's oh, right. it, it's well, when you not not to the point where I was like, I can't see what's going on. I just mean. When you have CGI shots at night time, they're easier to hide all the imperfections yeah, and stuff. So I'm like, okay. I just felt like I was like, oh, another dark scene. Oh, another night scene. And there were moments where I was like, it's pretty dark. Like, hmm. turn the lights on, guys. Something. Someone just, I, I don't know. I just see, felt like this movie was. I need to see dark. it again. I, I don't. Yeah, that's not how I remember it at all. Well, think about when they're in, are they, are they in London? wherever they are in, in England or something and it's like nighttime. Um when there's a lot of nighttime stuff, scenes. The stuff yeah. at the village, nighttime. Um like there's there's quite a bit. There's quite a bit. At the farm where what's her name? Who I, I think is one internal you haven't talked about yet. Sorry. No, we have Ajak. No, we've done it. We've talked about Ajak. Oh, we did, we did talk about it. Oh we yeah, Salma Hayek. <laughs> no, we didn't say oh, yeah. okay, okay, we did we did talk. Because oh, I said about, in the comics she was a bloke. So we've done Ajak. Oh, but yeah. Raised ever. Just like this. There's movie. just too many. <laughs> We're not too many. Again, there's a lot of them. Again, there's like <laughs> the stuff with her and her fun, like nighttime. It's just a lot of nighttime stuff. We now you But anyway. It, yeah, a lot of the film did play, take place during night. But I don't remember it being too dark to see what was going What was going. Or just my cinema. Or just my cinema. I'll write him a letter. Nicely firm worded Facebook message. I don't know. Okay, let's do... <laughs> We've done the oh, we've done the post-credit scene. Let's do the mid-credit scene. Thena, Makari, and Druig are visited by the Eternal Eros, the brother of Thanos, and his assistant Pip, who offer their help. Now, before we get into it, you mentioned Pip already with the visual effects. About a month ago, I sent you a message saying the morning show here in Australia, they've just revealed what the the mid credit scene is going to be on Eternals. Right. And just so casually, they just say, oh, good morning, Australia. Harry Styles will be playing Thanos' brother in a mid credit scene in Eternals. I'm like, are you kidding me? What is happening? Why did you just, why Ridiculous. did you just blurt that out? That's, that's the, I still the media more concerned about a story than being like, oh, look, is this something that people really want to know about? And I, some people do, but you know, the general people, like general audiences, Marvel really want to be surprised. Would, Marvel would not be wanting people to reveal that reporters or mm. whoever they are not going to want to reveal it. And it was about a month ago that they revealed. So it's not as if the movie had been out in other countries either. So I'm like, right, okay. So that is a thing that's going to be happening. Of course, I shared it with nobody. But I'm like, oh, that's... Thank you, I appreciate it. That's a little bit disappointing. But it was a good scene. I do see your point on Pip, but I thought it looked fine. (laughs) That's a character I'm familiar with from the New Mutants comic. Like, it featured quite a bit in there. But here is with 
Eros, also known as Star Fox. That's his other alias. Yes. I mean, uh, okay, look, there's a, a, few, a few things here. So, all right, Harry Styles pops up on screen. In my mind, you know, I'm not 100% clued on on, you know, Harry Styles and what he looks like, but I was like, okay, that guy looks hella familiar. And then I was like, is that Harry Styles? And I was like, okay, I think it is. Okay. And then obviously I'm enthralled in what he's saying and who the character ends up being. And I'm like, so I, I was, I'll just say I was completely surprised in terms of this scene. I didn't know Harry Styles was in the movie. I didn't know who was playing that this was going to happen. The whole like Thanos's brother kind of thing. I mean, I don't know how genetics work in space and, and in the Marvel universe and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, I don't really see the resemblance. What's the story there? What do we know from the comics? How can you enlighten me? Well, in the yeah. comics, he looks humanoid. In the comics, Thanos is purple. So it's comics accurate, but <laughs> yes, does not make sense. And it's going to be interesting to know where they're going to go with the character. Like, you don't introduce Harry Styles and not not bring him back. And I had to look up in the comics at what his powers actually actually are he has the ability to stimulate the pleasure centers of the brains of people near him therefore enamoring people with him so everybody just loves him and just based on the description of that power i can see casting harry styles as a good choice oh you know what yeah yeah. (laughs) i watched it on a friday night it was it wasn't packed but there was quite a few people in the screening as soon as you saw him on screen for the first time, you heard people gasp in the audience. Like, I, I had, had a good had, reaction to it. I think ugh, there was a couple of people in front of, uh, in like the seats in front of us. And when, yeah, when Harry Styles pops up, the reaction I got was like, what the? F-? <laughs> like, what? As in, like, oh, come on, like, why? Sort it's, of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I think, I think it's going to kill everyone. I think it's good casting. You know, we've seen him in a film before. I watched him in Dunkirk, the Chris Nolan movie. So he's he has done some acting. And I remember, I can't remember which of the talent shows it was, like Britain's Got Talent or one of them. And I remember X-Factor. watching it. Was it X Factor? Is that what it was? But I remember watching it as it was happening when it was, you know, back when I was living in the UK. And it was him and the other boys. And they were going I'm through... The show was X Factor. Pretty sure. Well, that, that sounds right. But they were going through, it was <laughs> him and essentially him and all the other guys in the band that you know is One Direction. One direction. They all got sent home. <laughs> none, of, none of them were good enough. So you watch oh, it right. live. Oh, singly, yeah. And they all got sent home. And it was Simon Cowell. I was like, hang on a minute. Let's bring these, I think it was five, let's bring them back in and see how they go together. And history was made. But initially, none of them were good enough. And now he's... I love how he just gave us a, a, a very unnecessary but still interesting history of One Direction. <laughs> I think it's the first <laughs> time we've meant... It's, of course it is. We're talking Harry Styles, I think, for the first time on the podcast. Quite possibly. I mean, sure. Okay. So there we go. So this Marvel Studios movie review, we've talked the DC Universe. We've talked X Factor. And we've talked about Origins Marvel. of One Direction. Oh, Marvel as well. Um, let's rate it. Let's rate this movie. What would you give it out of five? 
it's it's a it's a I probably I probably have spoke about this movie in a, in quite a negative sort of way. Um, and look, I'm not going to surprise you and be like, oh, I actually really really love the movie. Um, I've I watched it and I had an okay time with it and I was going along with it and I was like, cool. And they were, they were introducing things that were like, again, game changers. Like I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty crazy. We've got some enjoyable characters, which bring with them enjoyable moments and, you know, fun little gags. Um, but on the, on the back of it, you know, like I was like, okay, there was just, attention to detail on certain things just kind of just irked me because I was like, no, this doesn't make any sense. And that make, makes it silly. And where I was going into this movie thinking, I was like, oh, like, we're going to get like a really like quite an artistic, well-made, really like probably a true film within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, wow, what a combination. But instead we got the combination like, like you've been describing where it's like, it's kind of like two worlds coming together that aren't really meshing. Where if we've got sensibilities of like, you know, we've got some great, you know, like um, some great scenery shots. We've got some good character interaction for, you know, in particular scenes. Uh, but for the most part, you know, like the action scenes didn't do much for me at the end when it's like, hey, let's all connect our energy and become like one being. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Fantastic Four kind of did it. <laughs> no, okay, it's not the same thing. I was having an okay time with the movie, but then when it came to an end and I walked out, I just had this overall feeling of like, I don't think I really liked it all that much. Well enough. I mean, if someone was to come up to me and say, Hey, I'm, I've got no one to go see Eternals with, but I want to go check it out. Will you come see it with me? I know you've already seen it. I'd probably turn around and say, Nah, I'll pass. Like, even if they were like, I'll, I'll pay for your ticket. I would say, nah, I'll pass. I'm just not keen to go back. And if that illustrates how I feel, then that's probably the best way to, to say it. But I am going to come in and say, look, a three out of five in terms of a critical rating. Um, and I guess my experience as well whilst watching it. But I mean, I want to like it more. Like it was okay and it was fine. And that's a three. For me, like, like it's a fine movie. It was just like, oh wow, that really wasn't anything special at all. And I think it could have been something better. Too many characters, even though long, not enough time with any of them to make me care. And yeah, I mean, the biggest impact to the MCU, I think, going forward. Like, this is there's some crazy stuff going on. But um, that's yeah. I don't know. Underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. I'm with you. It's good movie. Not a great movie. I said, I walked in thinking, is this going to be... You know, I felt like a two out of five in my excitement for it. Oh, yes. It's not a two. It's a three. It's a, it's a three out of five. It's not a high three, but it's it's a three. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good movie, but... Yeah, like you, I'm not going to be in a hurry to watch this again. I will when it hits Disney Plus. The wife will want to see it, but it's yeah, it's it's fine. But should it be fine? Should be a lot better. It's just no, it's it's so it's it's okay. It's got some interesting ideas, but yeah, there we go. Eternals.
So we had a fart. I think I think with a with a movie where it's like, hey, in a movie where we're going to give you ten superhero characters, it's like we should be like, this is insane. This is crazy. We're like previous Marvel movies have done that with one character, with with four characters, with a handful of them, and been like, we're doing this. It might be over stuff, but we, you know, when we do it, it's gonna be pretty epic. You know, like Captain America: Civil War. It's like that movie is over stuff. There's a lot of characters. A lot of the times, that plot doesn't really make any sense. But it's like, holy shit! The moments that we have with the characters and what they're doing, it's like, man, they put on a bloody good show. Whereas this, it's like, even if you know. The plot doesn't really make that much sense and some things are pretty illogical. It's like, blow me away with everything else then. Like, whereas everything sort of, there was nothing really in it that made me go, like, that was amazing and cool. Yeah. Like, it, needed yeah. a dragon, I reckon. <laughs> it, had, it had a lot of ideas. I did think when I was watching it, though, like Civil War, you know, the heroes essentially had an argument. This movie, they're killing each other. You know, there's, there's a lot higher higher stakes, <laughs> higher death rates. You know, just quickly, I know we've rated already, but the costumes, sometimes I thought they looked really good and other times it looked like a costume. Like when they got some close-ups and the material just looked a bit bit cosplay, not quite cosplay because some cosplay is really good, but it, it just, I don't know. Certain angles, you know, and when, he, when the costumes were first appearing, they looked really cool, but there were times where it just looked a bit cheaper, although I'm sure they spent a lot of money on it. Very expensive. Um, now, for the most part, I thought they looked decent for when they were wearing them anyway. Like, they didn't for a lot of the movies. So That's true. It wasn't really that, is, that, yeah, it wasn't really that important. No, like, it was all right. And I think the characters that we're left with going forward, we can have a bit of a bit more fun with them, which will, which will be cool. Well, as always, we're going to close out on some trivia. Kind of said it already. It was about the runtime. The exact runtime of this movie is two hours and 37 minutes. This is the second longest running film in the MCU after Avengers Endgame, which ran for three hours and one minute. This is a long movie. And we keep (laughs) saying there's 10 superheroes. Still, it's a very long time. Again, I know we've rated, we've done the whole discussion. Did you actually think, like, whilst watching it, it's like, ah, oh, this movie is too long, or like, yeah, it's, it's, it's dragging, it's too slow? I didn't know, if I'm honest. I, I didn't feel that because I was interested enough to see where it was going, what was going to happen. Black Knight, come on, give us something. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I gotta to... say, when, whilst watching it, like I said, like, I was having a fine time just going for the ride. I think it was sort of, it was, you know, as they were recruiting, like re-recruiting all of the, you know, Eternals again, I think it was as we, it was probably like around, it might've been around Australia or after, maybe it was, you know, the, the, the Superman reference. I think it was then I was like, okay, we're still meeting new, like these Eternal characters again. I was, I was thinking, let's pick up the pace a little bit, guys. We are, we are dragging. We are dragging. We aren't really getting anywhere. I do. That's think probably the only time I felt. I'm definitely going to feel that one time a second time, though. I know I am. Yeah. But maybe that's a little part of me that's like, I don't really want to watch it again anytime soon. Because I'm like, yeah. I know it's just going to drag. Because I think the, the reveals, the experience the first time was the only really thing keeping it going. 
But from the sounds of it, if we're going to watch it again, it's going to be streaming, so we can always hit pause or hit stop. (laughs) Just walk away. Walk away and maybe come back and finish it. Well, that's it for our review of Eternals. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Film Street Podcast. Uh, and we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All of episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. And if you missed it, we recently reviewed Halloween Kills and Army of Thieves. And keep an eye out for our next review, No Time to Die. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film shoot. See you soon. <laughs>